David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Welcome to another edition of Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris. We have another outstanding show, if I may say so myself. I'm Elliot Harris, David Spada, and I conducted a couple of interviews with two Pro Football Hall of Famers, quarterback Jim Kelly and offensive tackle John Hanna. First up, Jim Kelly. I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Better than Buffalo uh, is doing right now playing football. Yeah, I was going to say, don't talk about the weather because it's beautiful. It's about 65, sunny, not a cloud in the sky, and the forecast is a, a lot more sun. So we'll stop there. <laughs> okay. That, that's that's what I, when I think of Buffalo and as fall and winter approach, that's exactly what I think of. You know, nice mid-60s temperatures, just a beautiful place to spend the winter. Uh, you know, I don't know about the, the winter for most people, or I should say a lot of people, but it, this is the time of year that I love because I'm an outdoorsman, number one. I uh, you know, I love to hunt and fish and do all those things. I have a lodge out in the country with a bunch of land, and, and then just the smell of the leaves remind me of, you know, high school football and then, you know, you know, getting to see my nephews play and the college football scene, of course, the NFL, and just the smell in the air just gets me pumped. So this is my favorite time. Okay, if you like that kind of weather, why did you go to Miami for college? Because they told me that they were going to have a pro-style offense, and Lou Saban was the head football coach back then, and um, I thought that's what was going to happen. Unfortunately, I wanted to go to Penn State, but Joe Paterno uh, uh, at the last minute told me they wanted me as a linebacker, and they would give me a full ride, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. So uh, I said, no, thank you, and uh, Miami seemed to me to be the best fit and unfortunately, Lou Saban was there for only one year. But I should say, I shouldn't say unfortunately, because what happened was Howard Schnellenberger came on the following year and uh, brought Earl Morrill, who was a quarterback, you know, during the Dolphins years, and of course the Colts. And um, so it was a blessing for me that that happened because that's when I really got my opportunity to show that uh, I can play the game of football quarterback. Okay, now. If Paterno's offering you a scholarship as a linebacker, I have to assume you must have been a hell of a linebacker because that was linebacker university. Well, I wasn't bad. Uh, just to be honest with you, I, I liked linebacker because I was able to, you know, dish out the hits. Uh, I, I grew up in a family of six boys, so we had to fight every day of our life, not only for the food, but for no matter what we did, we, my, we used to drive my mother crazy, but, uh, yeah, I, I, my, I'll put it this way. My high school football coach moved me from linebacker to free safety my senior year because I wanted to make every tackle. I wanted to make sure <laughs> that whoever I hit remembered what number and what person hit them at the end of the game. And you earn respect that way. You never play. I've never been a dirty player, never was in high school. But uh, don't be dumb, don't be dirty, but you want to make sure when you walk off that football field that uh, those guys know who they played against. And that was taught to me early by my father about, you know, really, uh, you know, playing to your ability, play, you know, 
every play, play it 100% of the time. And, and one of the things he always told me, just like, I mean, probably now it's an old cliche, but he told me every time you walk out this front door, son, remember you represent the Kelly name. And, uh, me and my five brothers always took that at the heart and we tried not to, to tarnish the Kelly name. So Paterno wanted to make you a linebacker. Tony Dorsett wanted to go to Penn State. and Paterno never called me. He just assumed he was going to get him. So Paterno wasn't well, all-knowing. All well, yeah, well, there's a lot. I'm sure there's a lot of people that uh, wanted to be a certain position in different colleges did that. But for me, uh, you know, I went to his football camp my junior senior year, and uh, and I thought I showed him enough of playing quarterback. But, uh, um, but, it, you know, but it all worked out pretty good, so I have no complaints. Okay. So you didn't have interest in going to Pitt? No, well, I'm from either Pitt or Penn State, and I've never been a big Pitt person. I mean, I loved okay. the Steelers growing up, but um, I, I don't know why, but I've always liked the Joe Paterno teams and, and Penn State. What made Howard Schnellenberger so successful? I, I don't know. You know, one of the good things, at least from my point of view, was – he was like a drill sergeant. He was a guy that was a no-bull guy. Um, he demanded respect. I mean, didn't he need to say it, but you knew just by um, being around him what type of guy he was, no nonsense. But he knew how to talk to players. He knew how to get us motivated. And um, we, and especially myself, I know coming out of high school, some players need that. They need a little kick in the butt, and I'm sure I did at the time. But uh, he knew how to get the best out of players. And, of course, um, the old cliche, again, is you're only good as the players around you or the coaching staff around you. So Howard brought in a bunch of good guys, some good coaches, and uh, and, and he wind up building a national championship there. Yeah. And Schnellenberger was on the staff of a fairly memorable coach himself in Don Shula with the Dolphins and before that with the Colts. So he must have, Schnellenberger must have learned something along the way, too, I would think. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, as you get older, you start learning, you mature, you start uh, thinking that maybe I don't know it all, and it's a good time to start listening a little bit more. I'm sure that works with coaches, too. And uh, But I'm sure, you know, just looking at some of the guys that have been behind uh, Howard, that uh, I'm sure they learned the same thing. And and, and for me, I, I've been very blessed. From, from high school to the NFL, I was blessed to have great head coaches. Okay. At Miami, spring practice, did you say to yourself, what is this thing called warm weather? (laughs) And you have to remember, guys, that was back in the late 70s, early 80s, when when you talked about a water break, they're like, what, are you crazy? You'll get one water (laughs) break and be happy with it. Nowadays... You have to give kids water. Anytime they want it, you got to give it to them. I mean, back then we were taking salt pills, I remember, right. uh, because you'd sweat so much. And in Miami, we used to hide uh, water bags underneath the yard yard markers just so that uh, we can sneak some water. And I would, I mean, every moment my line would say, okay, Jim, you're with the team. You need to get an ice bag on your shoulder. So I'd get an ice bag to put it on my shoulder right after team drills because I knew I wasn't going to go back in anymore. Whether I wanted it or not, everybody wanted us to have it because they were able to bite the tip off of it and everybody was drinking the, the water out of my ice bag. And by the time the, the practice was over, there wasn't much ice left, I'll put it that way. <laughs> How did you end up going to the USFL and not the uh, Bills? Well, just uh, just really didn't. Uh, you know, it just all came down to, I mean, it's, it is a long story, but I 
you know, the USFL said we need to get top quality players in there. They already signed a couple um, Heisman Trophy winners, and they pretty much told me, you tell me where you want to play, Chicago, Tampa Bay, uh, Houston, where do you want to play at? And I did take my trips to, to those cities, and I decided that uh, Houston was a place for me with the Dome Stadium, no wind, no rain, and um, just an exciting part of maybe, you know, starting something that could last forever. Unfortunately, we all know it only lasted three years, but, uh, uh, I can't really complain because that's pretty much where I probably learned the passing game because we threw the ball, you know, 35, 40, 45 times a game. Your coach was Miles Davis. What did you learn from him and what was he like? Well, it's, number one, he's awesome, uh, almost like a father figure. Uh, number two is he definitely helped increase my uh, quickness by my footwork, trying to work on my footwork because it was a run and shoot. It was more of me sprinting out and throwing on a run. So I had to learn that from the beginning because I really wasn't that type of passer and really showed me how to look players, look, you know, defensive secondary, whether it's a safety, whether it's a, you know, uh, a corner, look them off and, and taught me at the beginning how to read a defense. So I owe a lot to monsters, no doubt about it. And then you go to the Bills and I mean, basically they were at the bottom of the NFL at that time. I mean, they had a young Bruce Smith, but what was that like? Well, wasn't sure. Back then, I was just praying that it would work out, that uh, the owner, Ralph Wilson, would bring players in like he said he was going to, and boy, did he ever. Andre Reed was already there. They brought Thurman Thomas, Ken Hall, Will Wolford, Cornelius Bennett. I mean, I can go on and on, all the great players, uh, you know, James Lofton. So I wound up having a lot of Hall of Fame players, but uh, that was a team that I'm not sure if there's any team that ever had as much fun as we did playing the game of football. And you had a pretty good coach in Marv Levy, who is, is, I would assume, very different from a lot of other coaches who were out there. What was he like? A blessing for me, uh, just a, a kind of coach that let his players be themselves, but we knew what our uh, guidelines were. We knew the limitations that we had, that when we were on the football field we, and during practice, we knew what we were doing. And it wasn't like we had two and a half, three-hour practices. We practiced for an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes because we knew – what we had to get accomplished. We knew that we uh, we wanted to be the best, and they were called quality practices, not quantity, you know, having to do it over, do it over, do it over. We did it, and we did it right to begin with, and, but Marv allowed us to be ourselves, and uh, and we knew our limitations. We knew that if we stepped out of line, he'd be the first one to get in our face, and he wasn't a big rah-rah type of guy, but he always said the right things at the right time. Marv mentioned us a couple months ago that the reason the no huddle started was you guys were down a couple touchdowns in the game, and you basically went in the hurry-up offense, and you came back in that game, and then Marv said, why don't we keep trying to do this? Yep, you're right. It was against the Cleveland Browns in a playoff game in 1989, and we wind up uh, running pretty much 95% of that next season all in no huddle offense, and that's why we went to four straight Super Bowls. We uh, Our offense was clicking. We tired defense alignment out. We They... Teams rarely substituted. We had an idea where, you know, what type of defense they were going to run. Plus, I knew as a quarterback, when he allowed me to call my own plays, I knew where to put Andre Reed. I knew where to, to line Thurman up, knowing he's, you know, great against linebackers one-on-one. Andre is a lot better receiver inside than he was outside. And I can go on and on. Uh, that's something I'm very passionate about. But it took uh, college and the NFL 20 years to really understand that uh, the no-huddle will work and, 
and give some of these quarterbacks the, the freedom to go ahead and call their plays. Now, you said with the Bills it was fun. For a lot of players, it's it's work, and I'm not saying it wasn't work for you. How was it able to remain fun? I guess I would never call it work. I would call it a business. We know that. Okay. And, but I just love the game. I mean, I've, I was, a, you know what, I thank God that they paid a lot of money, and they still do to players to play the game that they enjoy. And if the salaries were a lot less, I would still play it. I mean, I, I would have played for whatever they were paying because I just enjoyed it. I mean, I grew up in a family of six boys, and that's all we did every day, whether it was snow on the ground, whether it was pouring down rain. We always had a football in our hands, and we always wanted to play, and we always dreamt about doing that. So uh, for me, I, it, it was always just a joy just to get out there and, and, and you know, have fun and and uh, at times lay, lay out some licks. Unfortunately, well, I should say fortunately, I wound up being a quarterback, and it's gotten me to where I'm at today. So I've been very blessed. You know what? I give Mark Levy a lot of credit. The reason being is a lot of coaches want to call their own plays to show how smart they are. Marv knew how smart he was. But he knew that you can do it too, and he basically put all his faith in you. Yeah, he put his job security on the line because he knew that if I screwed it up, it was his job too. And I, but he knew what style quarterback I am. He knew that I was smart enough to be able to handle that. He knew that I thrived on it, know how to quick pace offense. I mean, that's pretty much the type of person I am. I'm, my mother always used to tell me, son, you need to slow down. And I just, uh, have never been that way. I've always been a guy that was full steam ahead. Let's do it. Let's go. I'm not a very patient person. And so it, it worked out. I think it worked out pretty good for all of us. We got a bunch of Hall of Famers in, in uh, Canton, Ohio right now. Yeah. You spoke a little bit about money. Do you have any good ideas on how to uh, keep your, your money together in your pocket, like myfanclip.com or anything like that? Well, that's a pretty good segue there, big man. <laughs> well, number number one is uh, just to, you know to make a long story short. Um, I, you know, when I retired in the NFL in 1996, uh, I had a son born two weeks later on Valentine's Day, which is my birthday, and and uh, unfortunately, my son was diagnosed with a fatal disease called crabbe leukodystrophy, and that affects the white matter in your brain and it controls all your motor skills, which he didn't have any, and he died eight years. Uh, at, at the age of eight years old, and from that point on, me and my wife decided that we're going to set up a foundation called Hunter's Hope uh, to make sure kids don't have to go through what my son went through, and then we can give every kid born in the United States a chance to dream like I was able to do. So we're always looking for you know ways to raise money. We're a grassroots organization. We started out in our basement. Now we have a Hunter James Kelly Research Institute uh, in, uh, in downtown Buffalo. We have 30 scientists, but it's it's continuing. It's, it's ongoing, raising money. And I went to um, – I was one of those guys that never – um, like the wallet. I always carried a rubber band and, you know, the, my money in a rubber band and they kept breaking and I decided to start using a black binder clip to keep my, you know, my cash and credit cards together and I said, man, we, I need to make this better. And so I said, what if I would put uh, a logo, your favorite team's logo, whether it's the Bears or the Bills or the Yankees or Boston Red Sox or NHL, whatever the case may be, would you buy one? And I talked to hundreds and hundreds of people, and they were all saying, no one buy one. I'd buy 10. I'd buy 20. So <laughs> we uh, we decided, why not do this? So I went out, and I got an NFL license. We got Super Bowl. We got uh, 30 of the top college teams. We got top seven NASCAR. We just got licensing for NHL Major League Baseball, which will start to come out at the end of November. 
which is pretty cool. But it's not just a money clip. It's an all-purpose clip. You know, we use it on our chips. We use it on our um, uh, coffee bags, you know, because sometimes the coffee bags or, you know, those tabs always break off or whatever. So we use them on our coffee bags. And, of course, a lot of people use them for businesses. And we said, why not do this? So for all those people out there that are thinking about, you know, high school, this is probably one of the biggest things we're doing right now. We just started this a couple weeks ago, um, high school fundraisers. I mean, my brother get, brings me the wrapping paper at Christmas time, the the popcorn, the air fresheners, the cardboard air fresheners, <laughs> all the things that parents say, no, not this again. Well, now yeah. you got, if you just log on to jimkelly.com, check on, uh, click on uh, my fan clip for all those people out there that um, are doing high school fundraising, whether it's, you know, um, cheerleading or bands or, you know, football, basketball, baseball, or whether it's your company that wants to do a golf tournament. We're doing it all, and a portion of the proceeds go to Hunter's Hope. So just log on to jimkelly.com and click on my fan clip, see how we're doing it, see maybe uh, your organization, your high school, or your midget football program want to do this. And I'll tell you what, all the ones we have now with NFL and college and NASCAR and, of course, like I said, Major League Baseball and NHL, um, they're being sold at Amazon.com. Uh, uh, you can go to Amazon, go to Fanatics, uh, and just check it out. And I'm telling you what, it's pretty cool, the packaging. We can custom the package and everything. But as I said before, we're always looking for ways to raise money for my son's foundation, Hunter's Hope. So, again, just log on to JimKelly.com, go to our website, check it out. And if it fits uh, fits what you guys are looking for as far as fundraisers for high schools or whatever the case may be, hey, you, it's, it's more money in your pocket for uniform or whatever the case may be. This is probably well, one this is one form of clipping that you probably don't mind. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Yeah, we well, uh and it and it's interesting how you walk around and I went from the rubber band now to a fan clip and every time I pull out my money to pay for something everybody said, Wow, where'd you get that at? It's interesting because the one I have that I'm using right now on my, my cash net, it's it's a um um they're called the Ferdonia Hillbillies. And it's a picture of a hillbilly. And the hillbilly has big arms and strong. It's like a car, almost like it looks like the Hulk. But I love their high school logo and I go, This is cool. So I started using that, and I got more compliments on my hillbilly clip than I have on my Hall of Fame clip or my <laughs> Buffalo Bill clip or my Boston Red Sox or Yankees clip. So it's cool. So you guys check it out again. It's uh, myfanclip.com or just go to my website, jimkelly.com. Check it out. You never know. My dad yeah. had a rubber band, and he was at the Dominics one day with his money, and some lady was ready to fight him. She goes, you stole my rubber band. He goes, that's not your rubber band. It's my rubber band. <laughs> Oh, that, that's funny, because I, I went, after they started breaking all the time, I get tired of it, so I went to the asparagus clip in the grocery store. I was buying asparagus just to get a rubber band. And I said, heck on this, and now you'll see, once you click on the website, check out our website, you'll see what it means, and you guys are going to be uh, shocked how cool it is. Well, and the nice thing is you can buy these and still have money left over to put in the clip. Exactly. They're not real expensive, and you get to give to a, a great cause called Hunter's Hope uh, to help kids out there uh, be able to achieve their goals and help us uh, make a difference in, in kids' lives. If you would have had that clip back in one of those Super Bowls, uh, Thurman Thomas could have clipped the helmet to his pants so he wouldn't have lost it. 
Oh, come on now. Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, we're, as a matter of fact, we are doing a, um, we just sent one off to, to Mike Ditka for his restaurants, the Ditka Clips, and, and we're doing, uh, we're sending off to Joe, uh, Joe Namath, the Broadway Joe. So we're, we're doing, we're, our custom clips are probably our biggest thing right now. So, and the cool thing is, everything as of November is going to be made in the U.S. of A., which is cool. How, how difficult is it, you know, people think athletes are, you know, are just athletes and they're not human beings. How difficult is it as a human being having a situation that you did with Hunter and focusing on football? Well, it's never easy when you um, have a son born with an illness, a, a disease. And for me, I mean, he was born on my birthday and all the dreams I had that we were going to do, um, you know, suddenly came to a halt. And uh, for eight years, me and my wife battled it, especially my wife. I mean, she's a saint. God bless her because I wasn't home a lot. I was on the road doing things, and uh, she was there every single day. So I thank the good Lord for for my wife and the type of woman she became. And, of course, I have two daughters. One, it's at uh, college right now at Liberty university and one that's uh, 14 years old to live here with me and my wife but uh it was never easy uh, as a matter of fact it was hard and there were times where you know it really it, it made me mad but you know my faith pulled me through and i'm doing a lot better and through my son we will change the lives of thousands and thousands of families and, and make a difference for a bunch of kids that as i stated before to give them a chance uh, to dream like i was able to you know to do as a young kid and be able to have a, a quality of life and that's what counts how hard was it going to those four Super Bowls and not winning one? Well, it's never, it's never, I don't care what it is, it's never easy uh, when you lose. But the good thing is, you know, the resiliency we build up and, and how we went through it would be different if we went to one and then skipped two and then went to another one, skipped one. You know, we did them in a 10, 12-year period. But we did it four years in a row, and the resiliency that our team had, the mental toughness that we had to, to put what we've done in, in the past behind us and move forward. And even though we didn't win them, I'm so proud to say I played for the Buffalo Bills. And the more people that I talk to, whether it's a reporter or people that didn't pull for us, look back and say, wow, I can't believe you guys were able to accomplish that four years in a row, which will never be done win or lose and you know when you lose you know you, you, that lingers on for so long but we were able to with a good um, head coach Marv Levy be able to focus what we had at hand and the uh, mental toughness and the mental preparation we had before every season and every game was unmatched so I, I just uh, I'm just proud to say that I played on that area yeah we would have like to win one or two, but it didn't happen. And, you know, you, you look back on my career, Bruce Smith, Thurman, Andre's careers, and we all know we were very successful whether we won one or not. There's a lot of, trust me, there's a lot of guys out there that would love to have been, you know, would love to have been to one Super Bowl, let alone going to four. So I, I'm still very proud of our accomplishments, and uh, um, I will never sit there and cry over it, I'll put it that way. Well, you see teams that win Super Bowls not make it back to the Super Bowl. It's It's very – I would assume it's extraordinarily difficult to maintain that focus looking forward rather than basking in your glory or, in the case with the Bills, you know, uh, moping about losing. It, I, I don't know how a coach get, motivates his team 
to do that. Well, Marv did, a, yeah, Marv did a great job of, you know, putting this in. Plus, we were professionals. I mean, we all knew, um, we all wanted to be the best. We all wanted to do well. We enjoyed winning. Um, even though the last game of the season, uh, was usually a loss as far as when it came to Super Bowls. But the thing is, we, we were professionals. We knew how, how we had to get prepared for the following year and try to do it again. And I remember one year our motto was, let's piss everybody off. Uh, let's go back to the Super Bowl again. So, uh, you know what? It, it's still a time in my life that uh, I just thank God that I was with the guys I had because um, I, I was surrounded with great players, but more than that, great character players. Who was the toughest player you went up against? My brother Pat, and uh, when I was in junior high. <laughs> I was good because I'm serious. It was always my brothers, but I, you know, everybody was tough. And you know, when you play in the NFL as long as I have played professional football, you're gonna play a bunch of great players like Joe Klecko, Howie Long, Andre Tippett, um, just to name a couple. With Neil Smith and Derek Thomas from the Chiefs. I mean, I don't, I don't want to start, you know, throwing out a bunch of names, but uh, there were so many great players when I played. So, you know, Fred Marion, which probably not a lot of people have heard of. I played college football with, and uh, I think he intercepted more passes uh, playing for the Patriots against me than anybody did. So it was always tough, but, uh, you know, I always enjoyed it, and I always enjoyed uh, the task ahead and being able to compete. What was being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame like, looking out to the crowd? Well, it was something I never dreamt about. It was something that, uh, you know, I dreamt about the NFL, but never in a million years I dreamt about playing and, you know, going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I thought that was reserved for guys like Merlin Oaks and Deacon Jones, Joe Namath, uh, Johnny Unitas, Bart Starr, you know, guys like that, Bob Greasy, Terry Bradshaw. And then all of a sudden here I am and I'm right alongside him. So it's pretty cool. Plus my son was there. So for me, that was a, a, a dream come true and a blessing that my son was able to be there that day when I was inducted. Ellie and I were at the Hall of Fame this year, uh, me for the second time. I just enjoy hanging out at the hotel and hearing the stories from the former players sitting around the bar. You you wish you would have been around all the, the stories we hear uh, at the Ray Nitschke luncheons because it's only allowed to be attended by Pro Football Hall of Famers. That's it. And the MC is even the Hall of Famer. So uh, what a great time that is just to hear all the stories. It, it's awesome. I, it, you can't explain it. It really, you can't. And it's it really is hard. But don't some of these players become better after they retire? Some of their accomplishments become greater? There's no doubt about it. And uh, I'd rather be known for what I've done for my son's foundation than, uh, you know, uh, playing a game of football. I mean, that is how I've gotten to um, be able to um, go to Washington, D.C., meet with congressmen and senators and be able to go in front of the House and speak. And because, uh, unfortunately, we do make a difference. Unfortunately, I wish uh, um, we didn't have to go do that, but uh, you have to do what you got to do. And I know the platform that I have by being a professional athlete is helping kids down the road, and I know that, and I just wish it didn't have to be that way, but it is what it is. I'll tell you one thing. Growing up, you would always beat my favorite team and would kill me and my favorite player, Dan Marino. I knew you were going to say that. You know, everybody <laughs> that I talk to says, you know what, I used to I used to not like you. I go, what, are you a Dolphins fan? They go, how did you know that? And I go, they all say, I could have told you you were a Dolphin fan. As soon as you came out with the first comment I was going to say, but you didn't give me a chance, I was going to say, what, are you a Dolphin fan? <laughs> but you got to understand, I'm a hurricane. Some of them might be a hurricane, so it's all cool. 
uh, I, people say to me, uh, so Jim, uh, what team did you like beating? I said, well, no, what was your favorite uh, team to beat? And I said, every time we beat the Dolphins was my favorite. And the Dan Marino is one of my closest buds, too. Thank you to Jim Kelly. And after this brief break, we will be back with Pro Football Hall of Famer John Hanna. You're listening to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. Next up, Pro Football Hall of Famer John Hanna. 